0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. ES First, we are a Bible-believing church. I heard somebody say this week that that wasn't such a good thing. So if you hear that, that's not us. We believe that the Bible is powerful and effective for your life. We believe the Bible. We act on the Bible. We believe that Jesus himself comes alive with the Bible, and that relationship is powerful for your life. So we're a Bible-believing church. We preach the books of the Bible. We're preaching the book of John right now, and I'm going to take a little detour and cover a verse in chapter 10. We're preaching right through it. If you want to read it, it's a wonderful book to read. I told one person a couple weeks ago, you should read through the book of John. He said, why would I read through it? I have a guy who reads it to me every Sunday. So if that's you, that's fine. But I encourage you to read it. Read it a lot, and you'll get a lot out of it as we go through. The book of John is a narrative. It's the story. It's actually one of the disciples, the people who spent a lot of time with Jesus, named John, he wrote it. And he's also wrote the book of Revelation, wrote three letters in the Bible, and uh, he knows Jesus very well. At the end of his book, he says, my reason for writing this book is so that you would know Jesus and you would believe in him. And when you believe, you would have eternal life, a real life. You would have something that's powerful in this life and the next. You would have something that is connected to the person who created you. Real life. And so when he says, I wrote this letter so you would believe in Jesus, what he's saying, he says, I want you to know God in a real way, and it gives you real power for your life. Have you ever felt powerless in your life? Have you ever felt like just giving up? You ever felt like, I need some answers, I need some direction? Anybody ever felt like that? God says that when you believe in Jesus, as you begin to follow him and interact with him, that he gives you real life for this life and the next. So I'm going to preach to you a a verse today that's very powerful. I think it is the crux of all the Bible. I believe it is the crux of what God wants for your life. And if you can know God's intention and his plan and his purpose for your life, his intentions towards you, what he means by creating you and you existing at all, then If you know that, then everything else changes. So we're going to talk about that today as we get ready to go into the next part of this book of John. In these next chapters, there's these kind of four blocks of stories where Jesus begins to interact with people. And then we have the... Death and resurrection of this guy named Lazarus, who is what, one of Jesus's dear friends. And then we have these other stories that walk forward into Jesus' crucifixion, where he dies on a cross. And so, for these next few weeks, maybe year, that we talk about this, I want to talk about the rest of the book and how the first part was really setting you up for these stories. They're setting you up for hearing Jesus interact with real people like you and me. We've already heard one where he interacted with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a rabbi. He was a very spiritual person. He was actually very religious. He was so religious that he was in charge of introducing God to other people. That was his job. His job was that you would come to him and he would speak to God for you. He would make sacrifice on your behalf to forgive your sins, that he would talk to God. He was devoted in such a way that he was a good and godly man, but he was missing one thing and it was this real life that Jesus could give. And so we saw that and we're going to see that as we move forward Jesus interacts with a lot of regular run of the mill ordinary people just like you and me. People that have hang-ups, people that have issues. And if you just read the book and you see these stories you're going to be like, "Okay, cool." But when you begin to understand God's purpose for all of humanity, these stories come to life in a different way. And so I want to take today and I want to introduce you to this purpose of God for your life. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 10. It's going to be one verse and it'd be short and sweet, but it is a verse that you need to know off the top of your head at any given time. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. One version says, more abundantly. One version references that wants your life to be running over, spilling forth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the presence of God that's powerful. I thank you for the presence of God that changes our life, that we feel it, we notice it, that something's different. We're not just at a ball game. We're not just at a cool event We're not just at a funeral or a wedding. We're not just at something extra. We're at something where we get to experience the person who created us. Let not that thing be so simple that we forget it, but let it be so simple that we engage with it, that we know you in a greater way, experience your power, your healing, your light, your life. I pray that today as we look in the word that it would be different today, special today something would be new in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever seen something that you just can't forget? You know, like you go through your whole entire life and you see something. And it's like it's burned in your brain. You know what I mean? Like there was a tire swing when I was like three or four years old that my brother took me on. Petrified me to death. It was like on a platform. It swung out. And he was quite a bit older than me. And he took me as a kid and put me on this tire swing. I'm like, No! Burned it into my mind. It's things like going to the ocean for the first time, standing at the ocean. Maybe it was seeing Mickey Mouse for you. Things that were burned in your brain. How about things that were traumatic for you? Things that transformed the way that you saw everything. Somebody would say things like, hey, you can trust the government. And you're like, no, I can't. Hey, you can trust cops. No, I can't. Hey, you can trust a woman. No, you can't. There's all of these things that people experience something and then they go, I don't know if I can believe that. Because sometimes you see things and you can't forget them. But the opposite side of that is sometimes you see things and you can't ignore it. That sometimes you have to come to the realization that things are not what you thought before. The Bible sometimes calls this the AIDS of innocence. It's like where you come to the, the place where your innocence is gone and you had to be a real person. The beautiful people, I think, are the people that never lose their sense of wonder and awe over innocence. They're the people that, that actually, when they hit like later on in life, 70, 80, 90 years old, that they begin to look at children, interact with them as if they're children again. They have certain smile and glow because everything that happened before, everything that they saw that they couldn't ignore, they now come back to this place where they go, yeah, but there's these kids that I can't ignore. There's this future, this sparkle, this wonder that I can't ignore. There's something special that I can't ignore. Because sometimes the things you experience are so real and they're right in your face and they're reality and you can't ignore them anymore. Sometimes it's a justice issue. Sometimes it's the person down the street. Sometimes you see somebody who's died too soon and you go, I just can't ignore this. I can't ignore the abuse. I can't ignore the trauma. I can't ignore this anymore. So you get involved and you get flowing with something that's so right up in your face. But there's also something that's so spectacular and otherworldly. It is out there. And if you have the opportunity to see it, you'll never want to ignore it again it's chasing after the supernatural it's chasing after the unseen because sometimes you come to this place where you've seen and experienced something you can't ignore when you experience God it's this way you come to a place where you go I've experienced God in a real way and I can't ignore him any longer Maybe you ran your whole life and you've been trying to figure out what is life worth and, and how can I make the most of myself and, and what am I supposed to do? And and you have all of these things that you're interacting with yourself and all of a sudden you come face to face with an invisible God. And you're like, I don't know what the deal is, but I have to respond to this thing because I've seen it. And somebody goes, you can't see it. It's like, I know, but it's like I've seen it and I just can't ignore it anymore. It's the beauty of deity interacting with humanity. It's the beauty of the person who created you interacting with its creation. It's so special. And when Jesus comes to earth, we have this thing that happens that we just can't ignore anymore. Here we are 2,000 years later still talking about a Jewish guy who was born in the ghetto of Israel. He's born just outside of Galilee, far enough that nobody thought anything good could come from there. Just down there. Oh, just, oh, Excelsior Springs. What's that? Don't they have some history about water or something? What's special about that? Just out there on the outskirts, tucked away, and out of Nazareth comes Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus is walking the earth, and he finally comes to this place. He has like a mission statement. He's like, Hey, I want you to know that the thief is the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Before that, everybody was kind of like, Well, today was a good day. We must have been pleasing to God. Today was a bad day. We must have pissed God off. And you know what I mean? We must be doing something, right? Because everything's just clicking right away. Oh, we must be doing something terrible. I must be off. I must have a good relationship with God because it just feels like nothing's going my way. It was a big crapshoot. And here is Jesus. What he says, he goes, hey, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's him who comes to wreak havoc on your life, create death, It's him that comes to give you anxiety. It's him that loves to keep you in depression. It's him that loves to keep you in financial turmoil and stuck in addiction and away from wholeness and living in chaos. That's the thief. But me, I've come for a certain purpose. And that purpose is to give you life. And life to the full. Amen. Show some God. Jesus wants to give you real life. It's hard in these moments. When you've went through 2020, when you've gone through COVID, when you have social media pushing agendas back and forth about what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe, and your friends getting on and inviting you into this argument and that argument, and and taking you to these places and that places and saying, don't trust your government and be angry and stand up. And all of these messages that come, and they want to invite you into something other than this. Life. And life more abundantly. It's the people around you that say, hey, I know you've had a hard year. Why don't you just take some of this? Why don't you just do something? Why don't you just go here and escape and we'll get away? And it's all an invitation to something other than the supernatural of God. Life and life more abundantly. It's things that, no matter how hard you try, will all eventually end. They're things that cannot fulfill, that cannot sustain. And God says, I want to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus walks the earth demonstrating this heart of God. He begins healing people, restoring people, forgiving people, inviting them into a relationship, not of anxiety, not of tension and drama, but inviting them into a place of real life with him. And trust me, they've seen enough to not believe They've seen enough, they have enough circumstances, they have enough oppression, they have enough people pushing them around. They've been squashed down long enough. Trust me, Israel was not the land of the free and the home of the brave, it was the land of the oppressed. They were back and forth from evil ruler to evil ruler, back and forth, waiting for the day that a guy like David would come and rule and bring prosperity to the nation again. They were waiting for the day that a king like Solomon would come and sit on the throne and great goodness and awe and honor would come to their kingdom again. But it wasn't. They were just perpetually living in oppression. Jesus came to give freedom. Like, finally... Finally, we'll have some real freedom. Finally, we'll have our throne again and our ruler will rule. And we can salute again. We can go again and say, Israel, 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 Mount Zion. Isn't it beautiful and wonderful? We can sing our praises again. And Jesus comes and he does none of that. He says, what I want to do is sit on the throne of your heart. I want to build my kingdom in your life. I want to get as much of heaven's glory into your space right here, right now. So that you can become full of life and life to the full. And I'm sure enough people had seen so much. They're like, I don't believe it. I've been fed this line before. I've heard this story about the God and how he is so concerned about our well-being, our prosperity. But the church is prospering, but I'm not prospering. The Pharisees are prospering, but I'm not prospering. Other people have life. Rome is coming in and they're full of Everything else that I covet, that I long for, that I envy. But I'm living in the dirt. Jesus says, I want you to live life. Real life. And if you can see it, you won't be able to ignore it. So he has these 12 guys, they follow him. You know, His crowds of 70,000, 5,000. 20,000 that follow him because they've seen Jesus life and life more abundantly. There are people that have seen things they can't ignore. I saw a guy. He was dead and now he's alive. I've seen somebody who had leprosy and now he's healed. He couldn't even interact with us. He had to stay outside. And if he touched us, we would all get sick. And now we're having dinner together. Seeing people who are so full of sickness and disease that they couldn't get up off their bed and Jesus would just walk by and touch them. They'd be new. People who were blind and couldn't make a living and they could now see. I've seen something that I can't ignore. For us, it's hard because we don't see Jesus. We have a book, a story. It's like hopefully maybe God will do that again. Maybe when we get to heaven, it'll be better like when Jesus was alive. Maybe perhaps that we could get to the place that we could believe like these guys, He's 12, these 70, these 500, these 1,000 that would give everything to follow Jesus. God, could we be like that? I wish I could, but I just, I don't know. I've seen so much I can't ignore. I've seen so much. I, I don't know if I can believe again because how could a loving God let this happen to my life? How could a God who is supposed to be all powerful let me experience these bad? How can a God who's supposed to rule on the kingdom, the throne of the kingdom, let me go through this where I am living in the dirt? It's back and forth because you have the opportunity every single day to live by and what you see that you can't ignore? Or live by what you experience in God that you cannot ignore. Some people said to me like, I don't know, you just kind of believe for things that are not normal. I said, in what world? Because actually the things that I often believe for are things that I've already seen. It's hard for me to believe for things that I haven't seen. It's hard for me to believe when I'm like, I don't know, maybe God could do that, but I haven't really seen it. It's not hard for me to believe that an addict can be free because I've seen it. It's not hard for me to believe that demon possessed people, like real demon possessed, I'm not talking about like dealing with your demons of what your dad gave you. I'm talking about people like foaming at the mouth and throwing people against the wall that only weigh about 106 pounds. I'm talking about crazy stuff. I'm talking about dead people. The flat line for five minutes, and they're just trying to figure out how to get to the next stage of death. Keeping them alive so they can pass on, come back to life. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen kids broken and bruised serve God with everything. I've seen people who come from the worst of circumstances win their whole entire family for Jesus. So when I tell you that I have seen too much to ignore, it's stuff that I've actually seen. But what happens when God gives you the opportunity to see something supernaturally and now you have to interact with it because God has shown you? Sometimes it gets a little stupid. Sometimes it gets a little weird because you don't want to like say it out loud. You know what I mean? Like, hey, one time God showed me and you tell them, they're like, <laughs> okay, That's, that would be cool, I guess. And they chalk it up to some story in the Bible rather than real life. Let me show you an actual story in the Bible. Turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel, he's a prophet of the Lord. The Lord comes and says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley of dry bones. It's hard for us to imagine because we don't have a whole lot of visuals. But if you can imagine the Lion King's Boneyard, graveyard. If you can imagine World War II, Germany, bodies scattered about, deteriorating, bones coming out of flesh. It says, he took me over to this valley of dry bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones were very dry. They'd been there long enough that you just kind of give up. They've been there long enough to know that it wasn't just kind of dead, it was all the way dead. It wasn't just mostly dead. It was 100% over, done, finished. He asked me, son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And if I was Ezekiel, I would feel a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Like, here's God. Ezekiel. See those bones? Yep. Walks me around him. Yep. Okay. Well, that is a femur. <laughs> hey, this guy here. Ooh, spear to the eyeball. Starts walking around. What about this guy? This one was young. It was a child. What about this one? And they just walk around. And I think Ezekiel was like, this is reality. This is the place I live. Dry bones. I've seen so much that I can't ignore it. I can't fake this anymore. People are dying. Stuff is not going well. I just can't get with anything other than this truth. It's dead. And then God puts him on the spot. Hey, Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And I think he was probably like, Hmm. Well, scientifically, (laughs) I mean, I've seen dead people before, and bones, and they didn't come back to life. And he starts analyzing everything else by his experience. So Ezekiel comes up with the best answer I think on the whole entire Bible. <laughs> I said, Sovereign Lord. You know. And that's most of us. We believe in God, we come to church and we sing our songs and We talk about life and life more abundantly. We talk about Jesus can get rid of the darkness. We talk about heaven is here. We talk about, oh, this is my testimony, death to life, but not real death to life. Just like, you know, kind of, you know, like I wake up each morning. I feel better. That One day I'll die and I'll go to heaven is death to life. I mean, all of that. We just go, God, you know, you know, whatever you will, if you want it to happen, it'll happen. The older we get, the more jaded we get, and the more we want to squash other people's beliefs. I believe that God could do something great. And you're like, yeah, stick around. Somebody comes to church, and get saved, like, I believe in God for it. And they just name it. And you're like, well, bless your heart. One day that'll wear off too. We'll all come together at church and we'll all be really calm and believe God for nothing at all. We'll all come and sit in the pew and we'll go, oh, can these dry bones live? It's like, well, maybe. Can this person change? I don't know. If God wants it, he'll do it. If not, so what? We'll be in heaven anyway. Can this situation be different? Nah, probably not. But it's cool. I'll just come and keep singing. I enjoy the lights. It's loud enough that nobody else can hear me singing. I don't know, should I have a pastor pray for that? Nah, he's got other stuff to do. Should I believe God that he would show up and do a miracle? Ah, uh, I don't know. You know, God. So he says, Sovereign Lord, you know him. Then he said to me, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones? hear the word of the Lord. Dead thing? Listen to the spirit of God. You, hopeless situation? Hear what my God has to say about you. You thing that's so far gone they just shove you into the valley and forget about you. Hear what God says about you. Hear the hope of Jesus Christ, life. life more abundantly. Hear this. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you. This is God's heart for you. So when Jesus comes to you, it's like, I got a mission statement. It's written on my business card. It's that I have come to give you life. It doesn't just mean another ball game and a barbecue. It doesn't mean just another vacation. Although I love vacations, I might take one next week. It doesn't mean just another night out. It doesn't mean just another day, another sip of wine. It doesn't mean just another high. It doesn't mean another thing, another experience, another accolade, another degree. It doesn't mean that. It means real flesh in the deadest places of your life. I can just imagine bodies of skin flying through the air. sucking on to flesh, muscles, tendons, just gross, vomiting kind of stuff. Real life stuff, because God is concerned about the real life in your dead places. So he says, I want you to say it. I want you to say it out loud. Flesh, come onto these bodies. He starts naming stuff. Tendons, come on! I wonder if he's like, you know, I think that guy needs a liver. Jesus, is like, not that guy. He shot his. That guy needs a liver. That guy needs a brain. Mm-mm. <laughs> Too much thinking last life. That guy needs a kidney. This guy needs some tattoos. Say amen, somebody. He's like so. I prophesied as I was commanded. It's a turn of events that happens here. Because what happens in the first set of it, Jesus takes him and shows him the worst situations. He just walks him around. He said, what do you think about this? Looks hopeless. You think that guy could get back up? Impossible. Is this one over? Yeah, this one's over. Is this one dead? I think so. Cool. Tell him to live. You mean like, you mean like in heaven, right? <laughs> like, tell him to go to heaven <laughs> or hell, whichever you. <laughs> God to Ezekiel is saying, "I want you to speak from something that you can't unsee." something that you can't ignore. And I wonder what Ezekiel had seen, first of all, that he was like, you know if they can't or not. I wonder if he'd seen some miracles. I wonder if he'd seen some situations. And this was just like the biggest situation. It was the most drastic. It was the most like crazy thing. Like who would believe that these dry bones could live? And then finally he was like, you know, I have seen some crazy stuff, so I'll do what you say. If you don't ever have an I was obedient to God and God showed up situation, then you most likely will probably always default to what your eyes see. This is one thing that God says about tithing. He's like, when you put your money into the basket, it's not so much about, you know, Allie tells you like, well, we're funding this and we're funding that. And it sounds so sweetly, but you know what it really does? It's you saying, I'm going to go by what I don't see. And then God shows up on a Tuesday and you don't even have to tell us. You just know it. And the next time you're like, you know what? I'm going to give again. Some of you are more addicted to a $10 slot machine because it gave you $200 than you are given to God. Trust me, I had one payout one time. It's like 21 years old. I was like, I put that dollar in there. It's like, whoa, 100 bucks. And every time I walk by one, you just stop at the airport in Las Vegas and they're just sitting there. You're like, I bet I could probably make $100 off that. Never have. Again, it's like one time. But I tell you who does pay out well, Jesus. And I'll tell you another thing that because I was obedient to him, that to where he could say, I'll do that, I trusted him in another area, and I trusted him in another area, and I trusted him in another area, and I trusted him in another area. In another area. So now he says, Brandon, why don't you just speak to that thing and command flesh to come on it? And I'm like, I don't know if that's possible. He's like, Remember that $10? I'm like, You're right. You're right. Liver! I wonder what Ezekiel had seen that he couldn't ignore God anymore. So he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I spoke out of my mouth. And as I was prophesying, I was speaking the word of the Lord. He wasn't talking about the future. He wasn't like, you know, in 1972, this is going to happen. He's like, in 2050, this, like everybody's trying to prophesy the future, but they're not speaking the word of the Lord. CNN will try to tell you the future. Fox News will try to tell you the future. Your Facebook will try to tell you the future. But they're not prophesying the word of the Lord. It's different. She he says, I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise. It sounded like thunder. It was like I hear something brewing and a rattling started to happen something inside just began to like tremor. And it was like, I couldn't see it yet, but I could feel it. I, could, I knew that something was happening. I just knew in my soul that what God says was the truth. I could see it coming to life. So I heard it and it was rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, I looked and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And sometimes in your life, stuff starts to come together. Your marriage starts to come together. Your kids start to come together. And at that time, you walk away. You're like, cool, God. And he's like, no, 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 there's something different. It's got to be different this time. You've got to put God in the middle of this thing. You're going to have to come together with me. You're going to have to get my spirit in it if it's going to succeed. Otherwise, it's just going to be another valley of dry bones. And so he says, here we go prophesied of the breath whose breath god's breath call it forth spirit of god fill these bones fill these bodies fill this marriage fill this child spirit of god fill my life fill my wallet Fill my future. Fill my purpose, God. Fill this anxiety, God. Fill this fear, God. Spirit of God, come in. Please. It says, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as it commanded to me. And breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet, stood up. Something was different. It wasn't a circumstance. It was the truth of God. But But it just seemed like it was all a dream. I know, but it's like so real. I just, I can't unsee it. I just, I can't unsee it. It's just, I can't ignore it. Everything inside me every day. It's just crying out, God, God, I see what you're talking about. I know what you're saying. I just believe for things. People think I'm stupid. I don't know why, but I just know that you're going to do something. And the difference between you and Ezekiel is you won't speak forth what God says. You won't command things that he's seen. He's looking for people who will take his heaven and unleash it on earth. He's looking for people who will believe for healing, who will believe for restoration. He's looking for people who will say, no, I'm in touch with something greater and I can't unsee it. And I speak it forth into every situation. I walk through the supermarket and I see somebody facing death. I'm like, this looks like some dry bones live. This looks like some anxiety. This looks like an opportunity for fear, but no. Live! It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. And the funny thing is, it's not just Ezekiel. The whole book is full of these guys. Gideon, Abraham. Go back thousands and thousands of years, and every story is like, And then the word of the Lord came to. And all of a sudden they started speaking what God said. And then the spirit of God came to. And then the angel of the Lord came. And they all experienced the worst of circumstances. But they had seen something they can't ignore. So for you and for me, it's just a call To live like these guys. To live like the women of faith. Rahab the hoe. It's funny, but that's what she was. Turning tricks on the side with her body. And she said, I've heard of, I've heard of that God. I believe him. It was Ruth who said, where you go, I'll go. I don't know. I don't have another place. I just want to serve the God that you serve. It was Gideon who was so scared for his life. He was like, I'm just afraid they're going to take everything from me. I'm hiding back here. And the angel of the Lord comes to to Gideon and says, hey, mighty man of God. And he's like, who? I'm not mighty. And he gives him this sob story. He's like, hey, of all the families in all of Israel, my family is the least. Of all the brothers and sisters and everybody else, I'm the least of all them. It was David who's not even counted with his brothers. The prophet asked his dad and said, "Who do, one of your sons is going to be the king?" And he brought in all the brothers but David. This is a good king. 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 Samuel says, "No, there's one more. These are not the guys." He says, we got this little guy. He's just out. You know, he's kind of weird. He just like hangs out with the sheep and plays songs. And it's like, he's going to be great musician, terrible king. He's going to be a great poet, but not the guy you're looking for. Jesus is the son of David. Because somebody saw in David and called forth dead things to live. One of my favorite stories is prophet Zechariah. God's talking to him. He just, you don't even know him probably. He's just this minor prophet just, just tucked in between a couple of books like Zechariah, Malachi. Let's get on to the good stuff. And he's talking about little slivers of countries in the Middle East. But God is explaining his heart to Zachariah. And Zechariah writes and says a beautiful thing. And this is what it says in Zechariah chapter four. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord, I'm kind of confused. And he answered and said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says says, Lord. And in your situation, you're running around all the things that you can do to make this happen. And by all means, all that you can do, you should do. Until God says, do this. And then you're obligated to obey him first if you want to see the miracle. He invites you into a moment to say, see what I see. I want to show you something you can't unsee. I'm going to take you higher. I'm going to give you great things. And how does he do that? He doesn't do it by you following all the rules. He just says, I want you to walk into this grace. Grace is God giving you his life and his power for every situation in your life, free of charge. He just says, believe me. We call it amazing grace. How sweet the sound is. Save a wretch like me. But it's not just forgiveness. It's actually power for your life. God forgive me. I messed up. And he's saying no. I want to give you grace for every area. I want you to walk into your job and have grace. I want you to walk into your house at the end of the night. And experience grace. I want you to lay down with your wife or your husband experience grace. I want you to be able to have talks with your kids and experience grace. And what is grace? Grace is Jesus. So when Jesus comes, he says, I have come to give you life, grace, and grace overflowing. I've come to give you myself power in every situation. I've come to give you myself Spirit of living God in every place of your life. So he says, Oh, give me back a Zechariah. He says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Remember Ezekiel? Bones were living, bodies were coming back together and he said something's missing it's breath the word breath and the word spirit are the same thing when God made Adam he (sighs) breathed into him and gave him his spirit when they were in Acts and they were praying in the upper room what came in with the Holy Spirit was this (sighs) mighty rushing wind it's the spirit of God he said "It's, it's not my might nor my power my spirit he said who are you Oh, great mountain. Oh, great obstacle. Oh, great thing standing in my way. The world would say, climb the mountain. God says it's not that kind of battle. God says it's not that kind of work. It's not about you climbing the mountain. He says, I want you to look at the mountain and make it a plain with shouts of, grace! Grace to it! That's the strategy. That's the strategy. I want you to make it plain with shouts. I want you to heal your your marriage with shouts of grace. I want you to heal your children with shouts of grace. Jesus, 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 Jesus life. Grace to it! And he didn't even just say it once. He's like, just say, you know, say grace. You know, Thank you, Jesus, for the food. I want your battle strategy to be grace. And, and once is not enough. One grace is not enough. Just speaking it just a little bit under your breath, not enough. I need you to get crazy with it. I need you to get crazy like you've seen something that nobody else has seen. And God will show you visions of your children. God will show you visions of your marriage. God will show you visions of your spouse. God will show you visions of your future. He'll show you visions of your bank account. God will show you visions and it doesn't make sense, but he's inviting you to see it his way. Would you see it his way? I said to God, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to really say it well. A lot of things I can say, I don't, I don't know how to tell it sixth bread and you live it. So you got to tell them because you're making everybody think that it's about you. You're giving them an image that it's like you're just a really good person. I was like, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's just, just grace. And he's like, yeah. You believe for crazy things. and Everybody else goes, well, I just, I could think like that. And I'm like, I can't think like that. It's just like, it's just grace and how do these things happen for you it's just, it's just grace I'm standing in my driveway one day, people were coming to unload stuff and I was just like all I could say was grace and if all you think about is forgiveness and sins and not the power of God over your life if you've never seen God working if you don't know what it's like to see it then you don't even know what that means but you're, but you're, you're stirring up something I got a feeling that you're seeing things right now that you've never seen before. I got a feeling that when you go home, you're going to lay and look at the clouds, and and everybody else is taking pictures of sunsets, and you're going to be like, "All I see is grace, grace to it." We got to be these people. Jesus says, "I've come." Yeah, but what about and it's the other guy? Thief comes to steal, come destroy. It's, it's Satan that's coming to destroy your life. I've come to give you grace, life, favor. It's not my might nor my power, but by my spirit. Speak to these things. Call forth breath. Call forth God's presence. God, come into this place. God, do great things. Just breath of God. Come in my heart's racing a million miles per second I just can't figure it out I don't have peace tonight grace to it I can't figure out the future I'm not really sure grace to it I just need God's grace I just need it breath of God come is it you? do you need the breath of God? do you need God's presence? have hopeless situations, valleys of dry bones. God's inviting you to see it His way. Stand to your feet. Just bow your heads right where you are. Just have a moment with God. Grace. Grace to your situation. Grace to your life. Grace to your marriage. Grace to your situations, your circumstances, your mountains. Bible says that he'll put the capstone, the final final thing on top. It's like the, the cherry on top. Finished. It's done. It's finalized. That's the kind of God we serve. My prayer is that you would see things from a different perspective today, that you'd see things from a God view, that he would speak things to your life that would change you forever this moment. You'd be like, I don't know, it was just it was just like July 9th. It was just like a... It was just like right around the middle of July. It was just, it's just this day. Brandon got up and yelled a lot and then like I haven't been the same since. It was like, God, just show me some stuff. And I believed him for supernatural. I believed him for my wife. I believed him for my children. I believed him. I believed him for my finances. I believed him for the job. I believe it was like everything was different. Grace to it. Grace to it. Today, if you would like to experience the power of God and a different way. You just want to you just want to have a moment where you say, God, I, I want to receive this grace. I want to receive this mercy. I want to receive this Spirit of God in my life. We just come down here to the front? I want to pray with you. I'm just gonna to count to three one. It's your turn. Grace to it. Two three. Would you come? Experience the grace of God. Somebody may come around and pray with you. If you're standing out there, you can sit down at your own leisure. But I guarantee you, if God's calling you in a different way today, make it a moment where you step out. God's walking towards you every second of every day. Maybe it's time to take a step towards him. To believe in greater ways. God, we thank you, Jesus. Grace to it. Grace to it. Grace to it. Grace to situations. Grace to families. Grace to futures. In Jesus' name. God' vision for your life. Would you raise your hand where you are? I need to seek things your way, God, for my life. I'm to pray for you today, from young and old. We are God' visions and dreams, and the young and old alike. Let the future be permeated with your presence. Let it be so distinct, just like. Walking in a field, just like driving down the road, just at work on a Tuesday. Something happens and something came to me. Let it be at 2 a.m. staring at the ceiling and I just can't go back to sleep. But there's something here in this moment. It's different. Let it be so supernatural that it be without a doubt that you're in it. And I pray that once they receive that vision, that dream that view that they would submit be obedient to walking in your plan to speaking out your words to releasing your future in their life because that's what we believe we've seen too much to ignore it in Jesus name